Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Youth and Culture podcast, where youth ministry and culture collide. I'm your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I'm joined with my co-host, David Pinkham. Dude, I am so happy to be here right now, and I have some exciting information to share with you that affects nobody but me and my ministry. (laughs) (laughs) And, And what would that be? So last year, like in the throes of the pandemic, Um, we were not able to have our fall festival, which is like a big thing we do at the end of October every year, Um, like worship, free food for the community, bouncy houses, all that stuff. So instead of spending all the money we normally do on that, we took a fraction of it and we bought a used bouncy house. We haven't had a chance to get it out until this week. We thought we had got a bouncy house, like a decently sized big one. What we ended up getting was like a 20 by 40 dodgeball court basically that (laughs) is awesome yeah it's got soccer nets in the end it's got inflatable basketball hoops it's got hooks for you can put a net for volleyball if you want and then tomorrow night at our church uh function thursday so you guys this will be yesterday for those of you who listening to this when it comes out um there will have been a dodgeball tournament and we have the foam ones and the old school rubber ones that make you cry when they hit you in the face <laughs> the, the, the 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 old kickballs or yeah. uh, four square balls mm-hmm. we have the mini versions of those so it's basically a bullet instead of a cannonball it's fantastic i'm <laughs> probably not going to be allowed to use those <laughs> that w- yeah, i'm not gonna lie we that's what that's what i played dodgeball with when i was a kid it's how i learned to deal with pain in middle <laughs> school <laughs> yeah not those little cushy things yeah oh gracious i'm looking forward to it oh that would be fun uh, that'll be fun. But right now, it's uh, it's been an interesting road. Yeah, what's going uh, on with you? Yeah, so I am in the midst of transitioning to a new church. Um, God has called me and my family to a new phase of ministry. It's not something necessarily um, 100% seeking out. It's more like submitting to what God has uh, laid on a heart. We've been feeling, I've been feeling this way for uh, for, for a while, but not mm-hmm. understanding what God was doing. Um, then God was very evident that he was calling us to a, a new ministry and still didn't understand what, what that meant. Um, so I was just, I got to a point instead of fighting God as submitted and, uh, got con- connected to, uh, the church I'm currently at a summit community church. Uh, so I'm actually at transition churches. I'm in, I'm in the, in the process of being in a halfway point of, because uh, it's still in North Carolina, so I'm driving three and a half hours and staying there for half the week, and th- driving three and a half hours back uh, uh, to here on the east east co- uh, east coast part of the state mm. uh, with my wife, and and spend a few days with my family and working a little bit from home, packing uh, all that jazz as we're getting ready to move in October. So it, it's been absolutely crazy. And that's part of the reason why, uh, for those of you who are listening, that me and David are recording 
at night, which is actually not normal for us because yeah. this is not our best uh, time of day for us mentally. Uh, but it's the only time that both of us can get together and actually record. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, God, God's doing some amazing stuff and I'm really thankful for, for what he's doing. And he's been answering um, every single prayer that we've had along the way. And you can definitely tell that this is what God wants to do for our family. Uh, but we're, we're sad to leave relationships that we've made uh, for seven years and, and teenagers and students that we've poured into for seven years, but I have learned in my time in ministry that it's more important to submit to what God wants in my life uh, than be concerned about being comfortable. And sometimes we can easily be comfortable in our ministries. Um, and I'm not saying that God can't say to, uh, you can stay somewhere 20, 30, 40 years. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I think God is using, using this to shake me up a little bit and, mm -hmm. uh, and it's a good thing. And I'm, I'm nervous for the, for the next step, but I'm also excited, uh, and looking forward to what God has next for, for, our, for our family and for a ministry at summit. Yeah. And that, I, I think it's, uh, I think you're right. Nothing wrong with longevity, but I think when we get comfortable, um, we can tend to do, uh, what I call riding on the coattails of the faith of your own personal past. Uh, you can get comfortable with a certain thing in your life or a certain truth that you understand or something that you believe or claim to believe, and then really not exercise that faith muscle over a period of time. And I think that kind of sets us up perfectly for the conversation that we're having today for our podcast and the interview that we had, because uh, I think that one of the things we're going to find with this conversation uh, a lot of us know the why. I think sometimes we forget it, but the how of why we do what we do with youth and ministry and, and the students of our church can get lost on us because we tend to get comfortable with patterns that we've fallen into or uh, yearly events that we do or maybe just the weekly thing that's kind of lost its luster because we've gotten so comfortable with it. No, I, and absolutely. And, and, and I've was really looking forward and really had a good time in our conversation with uh, Sarah Barrett specifically about uh, the why and the, and the how of when it comes to uh, teaching teenagers, teaching students, the foundations of living with a biblical worldview and how, how that looks like and the importance of that. And what's really neat about this conversation with Sarah is the fact that she is also uh, generation Z. She's part of that generation. So it's kind of, it's kind of neat to see the, to hear that from her, her passion to reach her, her own generation, why God's, how God's using her, uh, from high school, from writing a book, which I think is insane. As mm -hmm. I think she, if I remember correctly, she was 18 years old when she wrote that, wrote her first book. Uh, yep. she's, she's been writing articles, uh, for desiring God and, and writing for them and writing for for other things as well. And it's coming out with another book uh, here in, in next spring. So it's really neat to see how God's using someone who's in that generation, generation that we are currently in the process of trying to reach and try to mentor and disciple and, and bring up um, to have a biblical worldview. And also as Gen Alpha that's coming next as well. Yeah. So, 
So, so yeah, so it was very, it's very, it very encouraging uh, to hear that from someone from a generation that, that we're trying to reach uh, right now. So guys, stay tuned as we talk with Sarah Barrett. guys, I'm super excited for our interview today because we're going to be talking to somebody that I've actually ran across her name several times in, in, in different articles uh, that I've read, and that's Sarah Barrett. So uh, and we're, we're actually going to be talking about a topic I think is, is really important uh, in student ministry and youth ministry, but sometimes, I believe sometimes it's neglected, and that is this topic of how to live uh, how to have a biblical worldview, how to train teenagers and students to have a biblical worldview, what that looks like, and how to navigate uh, culture biblically. Uh, but, but before we get started, Sarah, how about you kind of introduce yourself a little bit, uh, kind of uh, uh, your journey in ministry and writing and where you are today? Absolutely. Well, first, let me just say thank you so much for having me on the show. I am very excited to be here with y'all today. And yes, I began writing when I was ser I began writing seriously when I was 17 years old because I saw so many of my peers struggling in their walk with God. And because honestly, I had experienced a lot of those same struggles myself. So just apathy, complacency, just seeing friends and peers walk away from God and leave the church and succumbing really to the lies of the culture around them. And as I was learning and growing in this time in my own walk with God, I began to just have a deep passion to share with my peers the things that God was teaching me because I was on this journey. I was learning every single day. And I wanted so much for my peers to also experience this same journey that God was taking me on. I wanted them to go deeper in their walk with God. I wanted them to understand how to live in this crazy world in which we live with a biblical mindset and worldview. And so as I just began to write more and share more, uh, God led me to become managing editor for therevolution.com, which was founded by Alex and Brett Harris, uh, based off their book, Do Hard Things. And then I just began writing for uh, other websites and eventually it turned into a book idea. Uh, my first book released last year with Baker Books called Love Riot, A Teenage Call to Live With, Relentless Abandon for Christ. And then I have an, uh, another book coming out also with Baker Books, this time in partnership with Summit Ministries next April called Stand Up, Stand Strong, a call to bold faith in a confused culture. And really both of the heart of these books is that there is so much more than what culture tells us. And even sometimes what the church tells us, there is so much more to following Jesus 
than just a cultural Christianity. We do not have to settle for a complacent relationship with God because y'all know God's word is true. His truth is relevant to every aspect and every part of our lives. So really my heart and the focus of my writing and ministry is to equip my peers in living out wholeheartedly sold out for Jesus with a biblical worldview and what that looks like and how to navigate the hard things that we all confront in both our relationship with God and in our relationship with the culture. So I'm really excited, uh, especially about my upcoming book, because it deals so much more with this really important topic of worldview, which is one of my passions. Oh, that's really awesome. And uh, I got to say, um, I, I would say it's impressive to publish a book during a pandemic, but publishing too, uh, that's uh, well done there. So that's pretty yeah. cool. And um, I think it's, uh, I, I agree with everything you just said. It, it's its amazing how easily uh, it can uh, be for us to just kind of fall into this complacent rut of uh, what our relationship day to day with the Lord looks like. But why would you say it's important for us to teach teenagers the foundations of living with a biblical worldview, especially in light of the way our culture is right now? Yeah, absolutely. There is just so much in our culture that we confront so many problems. And I know I've asked these questions like, how do I even deal with these things? How do I know how to approach them with a biblical view? So that's uh, something I'm really passionate about, just helping teens understand, because I know I've wrestled with those same questions myself. One thing I, w I do want to uh, jump in before I, uh, because we talked about the why, and I want to kind of, uh, excuse me, the how, but I want to talk about um, going into the how of this question. But before we dive into that, uh, one thing I do want to ask, because uh, I know the answer to this, but I kind of want you to uh, to share this as well, is uh, when it comes to everything you're doing, how old are you right now? <laughs> I know that's not not very good to ask sometimes, but I just want from our listeners from here a perspective of everything you're doing, uh, how young you are and how amazing that is. Uh, uh, how about you share how, because how, you've accomplished all these things in writing, but how old are you right now? I am 21 years old right now. So yeah, my first book came out when I was 20. I wrote it when I was 18. Wow. I have to say that that is extremely, extremely impressive because in in reality, you're still at the at the beginning, the tail end of, of Generation <laughs> Z because 21 year olds, those those are graduating right now and graduating college and in your workforce uh, this past year uh, are still in the Generation Z. So you're at the tail end of that. And to me, uh, just hearing that as, as a pastor, as a youth student pastor, youth pastor, uh, it's very encouraging to hear um, someone like you who's taking their gifts and using the gifts to reach their generation. Um, uh, I think it's awesome. I think it's amazing. I thank God for people like you who are reaching their culture, uh, where they're at. Uh, but that does lead me to the next thing I kind of, I kind of want to ask is because we talked about, uh, the importance of teenagers and the, and why it's important to, uh, talk about biblical world worldview. Uh, why the the why? But it, I want to ask the how is how do you teach students to live out their lives with a biblical worldview? I think er, everybody who's listening understands the importance of why we should be pouring into students 
uh, to form a biblical worldview. But I think the how is the problem. How do we do that and how can we make the effective and reaching a Generation Z and this upcoming uh, Generation Gen Alpha to live out a biblical worldview? Yeah, that is such an important question because, well, the first thing is that I really think a lot of teens today, they don't understand the concept of worldview. You know, uh, I'm sure you've heard the statistics that 4% of Gen Z live with a biblical worldview. And even more sadly, only 17% of Christians live with a biblical worldview. I believe these statistics are from a Barna study. But, uh, you know, really the first step to, to living with a biblical worldview is understanding the concept of worldview and helping our teens to embrace a biblical worldview. They really first need to understand, I have a worldview and this worldview affects every part of my life. It affects, you know, the decisions as important as what kind of career am I going to pursue? And it also affects things as daily as what am I going to watch on Netflix tonight? We need to understand this concept of worldview and teens need to, youth leaders need to know how to bring about this topic. Uh, Professor Philip Johnson once said that understanding worldview is a bit like trying to see the lens of your own eye. We don't always see it, but we see everything through it. So helping teens to first understand that they live the way that they do because of their worldview. That is so important. And that can seem a bit like an abstract idea, right? Like telling them, okay, you have a worldview. Well, what is this worldview made of? How did I get this worldview? Uh, so what I, I like to encourage is to break down the concept of worldview. Because really, what is your worldview? Your worldview is a composite of ideas, and it's ideas about God, it's ideas about morality, it's ideas about identity, sexuality, uh, all of these things, all of these composite of ideas that are influenced by our religious beliefs, they're influenced by our backgrounds, they're influenced by our uh, the way we were raised and how we grew up. So helping teens to first understand that their worldview is a composite of ideas, and they get these ideas from the culture around them, and everything in the culture is bombarding them with ideas. You know, it's not just like an abstract worldview. You don't like go to worldview college to pick out which worldview you're going to live with. You, your worldview is molded, and it's shaped by all of the ideas that you absorb in the world around you, whether that's like a movie you watch or when you go to the mall or when you're hanging out with friends, you're always being surrounded by ideas. So I think that the first step really to helping teens live with a biblical worldview is helping them understand that they have a worldview and that this worldview is made up of so many ideas that they are surrounded with all the time. Helping them see that first can kind of make it a little bit easier to grasp and then easier for them to understand what a biblical worldview really is. Yeah, and that also speaks to the importance of uh, making sure that one of those, I mean, we, we can't prevent a lot of mm -hmm. what the culture is screaming at them, 
But what one of the things that we can do is making sure that one of the things they are hearing is directly from the truth of scripture and, um, and making sure that, uh, even from like the parent perspective to, uh, let them know the importance of being a part of a local church, uh, being actively involved and, uh, the importance of doing something as simple as studying a Bible all on their own and, and reading that because I think it was, and Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong on this one. I think it was Martin Luther that said something to the effect of, um, start your day in the truth because the world's going to lie to you for the rest of the day or something like that. Yeah. I believe that was Martin Luther. Okay. Yeah, I thought so. Um, so speaking of the, 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 the importance of the why, I think, Ryan, you're correct. That's, that's something that uh, most people listening to this already know why it's important. And, and I think um, just knowing what a worldview is, is a great way to start um, students on that path. But as youth leaders, um, there, there's a difference between, I guess you could say, teaching them and showing them. Um, a biblical worldview, and what would you say are a few of the best ways to help students as they navigate the culture on a daily basis from a biblical perspective? I love that question. And you're right, there is a huge difference between teaching them and showing them. Uh, I'm actually going to jump real quick into a story that I heard from Dr. Bill Brown, who's a part of the Colson Center for Christian Worldview. Uh, I participated in a training that he did I believe it was last year, helping Christian educators understand how to teach their teens a biblical worldview. And he shared how, yeah, there's this struggle in helping teens to to grasp this idea and helping them to to think through the culture and the things they uh, uh, live with in the culture through a biblical perspective. And so he shared that there was once this group of teens he was teaching and they were really struggling to understand this idea. So what he did was he played, I believe it was a YouTube video or a song. It was something that they were all familiar with, they all knew. And he played this video and then he asked them, okay, so what ideas are being presented in this particular YouTube video? And that's when this idea of worldview clicked for them. That's when they understood, oh, everything. This YouTube video that we've all watched before that was like viral, we we actually can now get that this is a part of a worldview. This is teaching us ideas. So showing them this popular thing that they all knew and then asking them, so what worldview ideas do you see in this? That was a really powerful way for that for this group of students for them to cl- click with this idea of worldview and understand that they're always uh, they're always processing these ideas and how to do that. Um, and then, like you said, really contrasting uh, the ideas of the world with the ideas of God's word. That is the most important thing that we as youth leaders can be doing because you're so right. The world is going to lie to us all the time. And so we need to have that grounding of biblical literacy first and foremost. Um, but really, I, when it comes to walking with our teens in understanding um, how to deal with these things in the culture, you know, walking through with them through the struggles that they face through just day-to-day life and conversations 
is to me one of the most impactful, impactful ways to do this. Uh, just a few, just in June, I wrote an article on how can Christian teens respond to Pride Month, and you know, controversial topic, but there was one girl that left a comment. Uh, she had been really struggling with this and wanting to know how do I how do I navigate this issue of Pride Month when my swim coach is telling me that she supports the LGBT community. How can I? Uh, what, what do I do when a friend of mine comes up and tells me that she's transgender? She was wondering, how do I do these things? And so really walking with the, the struggle, walking with our teens through these struggles that they face, addressing those nitty gritty topics, you know, there is so much, so many opportunities in our culture of conversation starters and things that they are going to confront and going to have questions about and going to struggle with. And so while these may be kind of uncomfortable topics and controversial topics for sure, they're topics that we cannot afford to stay silent on and they're topics that our teens have so many questions on. So just being willing to enter into those hard conversations by seeing what are they coming against in their school uh, situation, or even sometimes in the youth group, you know, what things are they coming across? What questions are they having? And then helping them to, you know, we're going to go on a search for truth on this together, helping them understand the biblical perspective about that. Um, that's one of the most uh, powerful ways really to show them the idea of a biblical worldview just by walking with them through the day-to-day -day struggles that that they come across all the time does that help answer that question yeah um i i think one of the things that, and you kind of hit on this um it, it's a combination of holding to the the hard line of truth of scripture but also um i think kind of underlying a lot of what you said is listening to what they're actually saying and what they're dealing with. And that's that's us as youth leaders listening to the teenagers and the questions that they have and the struggles they have and the, the circumstances where there's a friend who's dealing with something and they don't exactly know how to respond to it, but also listening to uh, teaching them how to listen to their friends so that like, I, I'll tell you, I'll, this is a quick story for you. Um, I, I would say this is how not to do it. Uh, and this is a personal story from my own life. Um, I had a friend in high school come up to me one day and he was like, Hey, I want to tell you something. I was like, okay, cool. What's up? And he said, I, um, I, I want to let you know that I'm gay. And I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> not the best response in the world, <laughs> but, um, he continued talking to me anyway. Um, and so I asked him eventually, I was like, so why did you like, am I the first person you've told? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, well, why did you tell me first? And he said, well, because you're a nice guy and and I knew that you would still be nice to me even though you, you don't agree with that. And I was like, well, that's true. And then I just felt bad for the first thing out of my mouth being, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I didn't take a minute to listen to what it is that he was saying and what he was trying to convey to me because he was one of those guys that completely independent of that part of his life um, he didn't have a whole lot of friends and he didn't have a whole lot of people that supported him and were nice to him just in general at the school. And because I was 
nice to him. And I, I never said anything like super mean to him, although you could probably make an argument that telling someone you're sorry after they tell you that is probably mean um, <laughs> to some degree. Um, we were still able to dialogue for a while after that. But having those kind of conversations, like that would have been something that would have been fantastic for me to have as a resource to talk to my youth leader and be like, hey, I just had a friend t- tell me this. I don't have a clue how to respond to that. Like, what do I do? Uh, how do I befriend them, continue to be their friend, but also make it known that biblically speaking, that's not something that I agree with, um, but I'm not going to like hate them now, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I love, I love that story because it's an example of, you know, a way that you both did it right and you maybe did it a little wrong. You know, you already had the relationship there and it was he knew that it was a safe place. Maybe your response right away wasn't exactly what you want, but that was still such a great opportunity. And thinking of a teen today, you know, going through, uh, you know, something like that. And we know that those instances are happening more and more frequently uh, right now, and they're only going to increase. So really, yeah, having um, having access for a teen like that who is kind of wondering, what do I do in this kind of new and uncomfortable situation? Having access to a youth leader who will walk with them through those questions and show them, you know, how do I balance truth and love in this situation? How do I share uh, the hope of Jesus with this person while still not condemning them for the for their sexuality, knowing that first and foremost, you know, the most important thing about them is not their sexuality, but their relationship with God and everything else will, you know, fall into place after that relationship with God is is secure. But yeah, I love that. I love having um I love that we can come along our teen come alongside our teens in those hard situations. And yeah, just having the availability there. Uh, I'm a huge believer in mentorship and just having that one-on-one kind of conversations all the time. And that's really, I think, one of the one of the key things that we need to help build biblical worldview and walk through the hard things in our culture is we don't just need it preached from a stage. We need it in our one-on-one interactions. Uh, we need this concept of worldview to be present in all of our conversations uh, and really just helping helping us know how to how to navigate those things so important i love that yeah one one thing that um uh we've talked about many times on this podcast in the past is that uh when you look at just from a student development uh perspective one of the most crucial times of building a biblical worldview in a teenager's life or even as a parent in your child's life is in the ages of, of middle school Preteen up to about 14 is one of the most crucial times of building uh, a student's worldview because that is the time where they're building their own worldview. Um, and the reason I want to stress that is 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 that even, I, maybe it's from being in the South, so I'm, talk, I'm talking from a um, Bible Belt perspective, that uh, a lot of times what I've seen, even youth pastors I've talked to, is that uh, once a 
average parents gung-ho about their kids being in children's ministry, but once they enter youth and middle school ages, uh, they're trying to find their kids' thing, whether sports, dance, or whatever it is, and that is the ultimate most important thing in their family's life, in their kids' life, and everything else gets sidelined. Uh, and so I do think there there is a trend that is happening in our culture in the last 10 years in, in church culture, uh, to where, and specifically in those very vital ages where kids are building the worldview, uh, student, student ministries and even uh, parents as a whole is not really building and investing in their kids spiritually in, the, in the building a biblical worldview in those ages. So, and which actually ends up happening is once they get in high school, it, it's a little bit harder. They've already set their worldview. They're still moldable, but it's a whole lot harder to mold them in those ages when they enter high school. Uh, that a lot of times we end up losing teenagers, spiritually speaking, because of that. Um, so, so Sarah, have you ever, in your experience, because uh, you're still young, you're, you're still younger, you're, you're 21, but have you ever experienced that yourself or seen that yourself of, of kids who, in those years, in middle school, and by the time they enter high school, they, if they haven't had uh, built a strong biblical worldview, that they lead the church together or not involved or invested in the church? Absolutely, 100%. Yes, that is so true. Uh, really, I believe we underestimate how important it is to teach our children uh, these things when they're young. Uh, and I have seen that so often that really when you are, when you enter high school, when you enter your mid, late teens, you're very grounded in um you're very grounded already in your beliefs. So that that kids ministry, middle school ministry, and for parents to be intentional about talking to their children about these topics when they're young, so foundational, so important. And a thing that I think that not only with, uh, you know, getting your kids invested in all these other extracurricular things uh, during those years, that's that's one reason why that often happens. The other biblical things are kind of pushed to the side. But another reason is that we often think that, oh, I don't, you know, that's an awkward conversation to have when you're young with, with a kid. Uh, that, you know, how do you address topics of sexuality with a, a middle schooler, you know? And it, we kind of tend to shy away from those discussions uh, with with kids that are younger, but, or, or, you know, like another, another example, like talking about injustice or racism or something like that, you know, well, a kid's not going to necessarily be interested in that topic, we may think, or it, it'll be over their head or it might upset them. But really, we need to be intentional about talking about these topics in a natural way, in a tactful way, in an age-appropriate way, but not avoiding these tough conversations and not avoiding broaching these these discussions just because we think they're too young but making it an ongoing conversation making it something that we know is not a topic off that's off limits but really being intentional because culture is not waiting like we are waiting to share biblical truth you know how many of you know cartoons now 
so many agendas. Uh, and you know, uh, how many kids view pornography at such a young age? We need to be teaching them biblical views on these topics so that they are not being influenced not only by the lack of biblical truth, but they're also being influenced by the culture because culture is not waiting. They are teaching them their agenda when they are young because the youth is the future. And if you can influence the youth, if you can uh, mold their opinions when they're young, it's just going to be easier and easier the older that they get to help them, to, to get them to buy into the agenda. So being so intentional about addressing these topics when, you're, when they're younger, uh, like I said, again, in an appropriate way, but still in an intentional way. Well, Sarah, uh, if somebody wanted to get connect with you, either uh, to talk more about this topic or about uh, your your book, and you're even to learn more about your upcoming book that I believe is being released next next April. Uh, what is the best way to get connected with you? Yeah, I would absolutely love to uh, connect with people. They can reach out to me on my website, sarahbarrett.com. And I have links there. Also, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I would love to love to reach, have people reach out uh, on any of those platforms. And I would be thrilled to discuss this topic more. Well, Sarah, I just want to thank you for your time and take, for coming out on the podcast today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Well, I feel old. <laughs> Dude, uh, I didn't realize this. I mean, we talked, I know we mentioned it earlier, but um, as we were listening to the conversation with Sarah and just one, of, I'm encouraged by one thing, the fact that someone in that generation and that is at that age is as passionate about, um, you know, truth and doctrine and faithfulness to, to a biblical worldview as we see with the older generations. But as I was thinking through that, it suddenly dawned on me. I heard someone say the other day, uh, Gen Z is starting to have kids. So if you don't feel old yet, <laughs> Gen Z is starting to have kids. <laughs> that is true. And, 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 and Gen Z and I, the uh, Gen Z's that, that has been in my ministry that are in their twenties, they haven't, none of them have gotten married yet, but a lot of them are getting married and they're having kids and it's just, it's just crazy to think about that because it makes me, I don't feel like I'm old and mm. I'm really not in most people's context. Uh, when they think of my age, um, I'm, I'm in my, about my mid thirties, but mm. uh, it's great. It makes me feel old when I sit there and think about that, that I have people that have graduated out of my ministry that are, they're Gen Z, they're in their twenties. Uh, that they're the age where a lot of people get married. Oh, man. But still, again, it's very encouraging and kind of like a shot in the arm kind of feeling to see that generation having people that are just as passionate about God and His Word and in training up the next generation. Uh, I, I love hearing it. I love seeing it. I love being able to, to pass this along to you guys, our listeners, so that you can be encouraged by it. Uh, and I think you guys will greatly benefit uh, as you continue to, you know, listen to the older generation, read the dead guys, but also <laughs> uh, listen to the young ones coming along and, and hear their passion because we can lose it sometimes. Um, and that's why that's part of the reason, you know, that's part of our why for this podcast. Uh, we want to give you guys solid content that will encourage you and help you grow in your ministries 
And, and we are thankful for you, our listeners. And we are thankful for those of you who interact with us in our Facebook group, the Youth and Culture Facebook group. Uh, thank you for sharing that with your friends. Uh, we are really appreciative when you leave a comment or a star review on Apple Podcasts because that lets us know that we're doing well, but it also lets us keep our content near the top of the search results so that someone who's looking for solid biblical content when it comes to youth and student ministry can actually find it. Um, and I'm not sure how, but you guys are somewhat responsible for making us like the number one youth ministry podcast in Australia, like for a week last year. Um, so thank you for that. Or was it New Zealand? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was New Zealand. Yeah. New Zealand. It's close enough. New Zealand's right there. <laughs> exactly. Down, down, down South. Um, and if there is a topic or something that you'd like to hear us cover on the podcast that we haven't yet. Um, please uh, let us know. We'd love to hear from you on that or something we covered. I've said this before. If we covered it before COVID, but then COVID ruined all of it and we need new advice, please let us know. We'd love to uh, love to bring that to you. And please join our Youth and Culture Facebook group as well. Uh, we'd love to interact with you there. Well, guys, stay tuned for our next episode. <laughs>